Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please do get in touch at hello at hopeharrogate.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Here's the deal. For all the pain uh, and the confusion and the, the challenge of the last six months, we have growth and maturity and things to celebrate across the board. Uh, and it's so important that this is the place we start again and again and again. We have so much good news. God is doing so much amongst us and we must know that. This morning, if you don't remember anything else I say, remember that. God is at work amongst us as a church family, even in these days. And that's not a surprise because it's what he does. And we'll look at that in a few minutes time. We've talked a few times in the last six months about how this period of time, the age of coronavirus uh, is not a blizzard that you can just wait out and nor is it a winter that is only going to last a few months. We're six months in, we've talked about how it's an ice age that is going to require us to be innovative and to develop the way that we do things and adapt them to what's going on around us so that we don't just come out the other side having sheltered for the length of this going on for, but we come out having truly learn how to live and how to flourish in these days and so i want to talk this morning about how do we as hope church uh, learn to live well during this time that we're in and will continue to be in for many more months to come uh, hopefully we're more than halfway through how do we keep being us in these days that's the question that i want to talk about and in a minute we're going to go to luke chapter 8 to read the Bible and see some stuff from there. But before then, I have news. Because we've been evaluating sort of how are we doing at being true to who we are in God as a church family. And as I've just spent a long time saying, we're doing great. But there are a few areas where we're like, the practices and the tools that we're using are making some things that are really important to us quite difficult. And we don't just want to back ourselves into a corner where we forget to do some stuff that's really important to us. We want to continue to shift and change so that we can truly be all that God has made us to be and is making us to be. And one of those ways is celebrating good news, which we've been doing this morning and before church and at every prayer meeting. And we're going to keep doing. We've got to be people who are good at spotting and celebrating good news. And that's got to get deep into our core identity as a people. Another area that we need to grow in and uh, work and adjust some things for is the challenge of Zoom and the challenge of the internet and video calling is that meaningful connection is quite difficult. And the way we do a Sunday morning makes meaningful connection quite difficult. By meaningful connection, I mean getting the chance to speak to people where you're investing into one another's lives. I mean, when you need someone to pray with you and to encourage you, having the space and the facility to do that. Uh, and so it's um, we've been brilliant and this works fantastically. I love the dynamic of being live, as I've said, but it creates this dynamic, which is a little bit more front led than we would usually be and a little bit more front led than we would certainly like to be. Uh, we truly believe the spirit has filled every man and woman, every adult and child that has come to Jesus uh, and has equipped us with gifts that bless the church. And we want to see those celebrated and we want to see those used. Uh, but Zoom makes that difficult. 
Um, we believe in the priesthood of all believers, but Zoom leads you towards the priesthood of the people on the screen. And if you're in speaker view right now, you've got me big. Uh, and I have it on gallery mode so I can see more than just my face looking back at me because that's weird. But uh, we, we don't want to end up in the place where we get used to the people at the front doing it all. We want to be people who do it together. And so we want to find space and find a way where we can minister to one another as we would have done on a Sunday morning. We can respond to what God's doing amongst us together. Uh, this is the beauty of the Spirit-filled church. And so we're going to change something from next Sunday to address this. Uh, and Gemma and team, as I've already said, have done a brilliant job with the refreshments time, with the random breakout rooms. And I would equate those times to being like the walk through the foyer at Asheville, right? You walk through and you bump into some folk and you have a, hi, how are you? Great. Uh, a bit of small talk. And it's lovely. You feel like you've seen some people, but what you don't get the opportunity to do there is to seek out the people that you're actually doing life with. You, at church on a Sunday, when new people join, we say the way you're going to make friends here is by joining a midweek group and joining a serving team, because that's where you're going to spend quality time with folk. Uh, and those are the people that often we will go looking for uh, when we're at church on a Sunday morning. Uh, if we see one of our friends in one of those settings encountering God, we might go and pray for them. And so we want to create a space where we can do those things with the people that we're living our lives with. My notes are down here. I'm just checking what I need to say as part of this. Um, and so next week, we're going to finish our time together in what we're going to call, that sounds like Miranda, doesn't it? What I call uh, Sunday communities. We're going to have Sunday communities. Once you're all distracted by Miranda now. Oh, Adam, don't say everything that comes into your head. We're going to finish our times together in Sunday communities, these places where we're living our lives with one another. There'll be a place to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to prophesy over one another, to minister together, to respond together to what God's doing in our times together on a Sunday morning. And for most of us, that community of people that we're doing life with in this next season will be our midweek groups. And so for most people, it will mean that we'll finish our Sundays together in the Sunday community that is made up of our midweek group. If you're not in a midweek group, we will have some uh, designated Sunday communities that you can be in too, where you could try and do this with the same people week in, week out as well, because that really helps. We're going to do it three weeks in four. The first Sunday of the month we're going to do as we have been doing, responding all together, because there is power in that. We're going to juggle with the Sunday morning orders a little bit as well. I think going through this term, try and create space to respond more fully during our time of worship at the end. Uh, and we'll have the random breakout rooms that we've been having uh, on those first Sundays of the month too, so that we don't end up in our midweek group bubbles and don't know anybody else in the church. And we're really hoping that this will mean that it, meaningful friendship and connection will be more um, we'll have more energy put into it, we'll be greater opportunity for it, that those friendships will be developed quicker because we'll have some more time together. But really, more than that, that we will get to minister together to one another, encourage one another uh, in God in those times. So we'll give it a go. I mean, six months ago, we had no idea how this will work. We've no idea how that will work, but we're going to give it a go. And we're really hoping it will help us be more hope than we are right now. So next Sunday, woo, next Sunday, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to give it a go. So 
we're going to send you an email this week because we need your help with a couple of things that will make that easier for us to do on a technical side. Um, so do keep your eyes peeled for that communication. The time is 11.29 and I therefore have one minute left to preach from Luke chapter 8. Turn in your Bible. We're going to read some verses and then I'm going to pick one of the things I had to say uh, and the Lord's going to encourage us all from it. Uh, Susie, we're going to go from um, Luke 8 verse 4, please. Got it? Woohoo! Thank you. It's magic, isn't it? Uh, while a large crowd was gathering, I'm going to read from the screen, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew it up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. For context, Palestinian farmers apparently would hope for a harvest seven to ten times what they sowed. This is a supernaturally abundant harvest that Jesus is talking about, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out to them, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, and though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that, fall, that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they don't mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop, which he's already told us is a hundred times what was sown. I've heard this preached a few times in my life, and often the thing that people draw out of it is the diversity of response to the word of God. We see all sorts of responses, and that's what Jesus said about it. And that is a good thing. It's definitely part of what Jesus is talking about. But I think that the passage leads to Jesus's conclusion at verse 15. And if we had longer, and maybe another time we'll do it, it tees up the rest of chapter 8 and into chapter 9, some other things that Jesus wants to tell people. Because Jesus is really telling the disciples here about how to live well. We're trying to learn how can we live well this term. And Jesus is telling the disciples, this is what a good, a fruitful, a faithful, a true life looks like. 
The seed is the same in every situation. There is a hundredfold harvest inside each one. Each little grain of sand, sand, seed, seed, seed. Each little grain of seed has in it the potential for a supernaturally abundant harvest. Everything required for the life that God has put in it is in the seed. And it just needs to find its way into good soil and it will produce a harvest a hundred times what was sown. The challenge is finding good soil. And here's the key. The soil that Jesus said is good is a noble and good heart that perseveres. Our world is fixated on delivering, on producing, on doing, on performing on output and it's really quite a modern phenomena actually through the ages a good life was focused on generating virtue in your heart on having a good heart on being a good person and if you could give your energy to being a good person then what came out of you would inevitably also be good jesus said something about that right but our world has become fixated on output and we need to realize that you can have output from a stingy heart and it isn't going to be good output, even if it looks good from the beginning. Jesus says to his disciples, if you want to live well, you need to have a noble and good heart. And that is going to help you retain the word and to persevere, to patiently endure through life so that the harvest comes. In January... I was supposed to talk about three things that Pete and I, in our eldership time at the end of 2019, had decided that we would give ourselves to in Hope Church this year. And in God, I felt actually I needed to speak about hope on that morning. And if you were there, you'll remember I brought in a tree into the middle of Asheville. I stood it in the middle of the room. It had no leaves on it whatsoever. It looked like a dead stick stuck in a tree, uh, stuck in a pot. And I said to us that hope is about looking because if you looked at that tree that looked like a dead stick just stuck in a pot you would have found that there were buds even in the middle of winter ready to burst into leaf and so i said hope looks and hope knows what comes next because every winter trees drop their leaves and every winter these buds come and every spring leaves abound from those trees hope looks for the growth it looks for the life that's coming and it knows that even though that tree looks like a dead stick stuck in a pot, actually life is coursing through it and it will explode out of it, just like the seed. And that was what I talked about in January before this year. And that's what's happened, right? Life has exploded out even when all of the things that we might have expected to have done together this year haven't been able to happen. The three things that I was supposed to talk about in January were these. In 2020, as Hope Church, we are going to adore Jesus. We are going to be friends. And we are going to carry hope into every situation we walk. You will have heard us use that language a lot this year, even if I didn't preach it on the first Sunday in January. And we've talked a lot about being friends in the past few weeks. Pete preached excellently 
on the responsibility of community, which really digs into that topic last week. So I'm not going to talk about that now. Uh, I'm not going to talk about carrying hope because I think we're going to do it more in our series that's to come this term. But I am going to talk just for a few minutes about the importance of adoring Jesus in this season to come. Because, friends, I just listed 11 things that we've done or that have happened in these six months amongst us that are good news and are worth celebrating. And there's a danger that we could equate that because of the world that we live in as output. This is what we've delivered. This is how we've performed. But we haven't done those things to perform or to deliver. (laughs) We've done those things because we love Jesus. And they're the natural things that you do if you love Jesus. You scrabble around trying to make YouTube work so that people can listen to church on a Sunday morning. You work hard so that good information is communicated out so that people can know and love and adore Jesus. You pioneer new children's and youth stuff so that they can see Jesus for what he's truly like and can adore him just as we have come to. We do all of this stuff because we adore Jesus. How do we live this term? Before anything else, we adore Jesus. It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body and strength. Just the word love for us it feels quite watered down because we use it in so many different ways. We're like, we need a different word than love. I mean, really, there is nothing that the church ever does but love God and love people. And the three things I've just said are truly love God and then love people in two different ways, right? Be friends, carry hope. It's all the same. But we've used the word adore because it carries a potency of emotion and fervor and zealousness and passion that the word love just doesn't quite get across. Friends, Hope Church adores Jesus. We love him with everything we've got. There is no plan B. If this doesn't work, we're not going anywhere else. We're going to adore Jesus with everything we've got. For the seed to have its hundredfold harvest... It needs to find good and no, a good and noble heart. It needs to find soil that is soft and is free of competition. That's what the other two have right in the way. It's hard, so the seed doesn't grow or there's competition, it drowns it out. A good and noble heart is soft and is free from competition. And all three of these things, if I'd had longer and hadn't waffled on already, all three of these things help us to maintain and create soft hearts that are free of competition. Adoring Jesus does exactly that too. Here's one of the governing principles of how we believe Jesus changes our lives in Hope Church. It's everything changes in the presence of God. If we can get people into the presence of God, everything changes. That's what we give ourselves to. It's why we have space for people to engage with God for themselves in our worship and don't just go through the set list. It's why we encourage the spiritual gifts, because we realize that we're standing before a holy God as the spiritual gifts are used amongst us. If we can get ourselves into the presence of God, everything changes. 
in the presence of God, everything changes. Everything doesn't change in the crowd of worshippers. Everything changes in the presence of God, not in the crowd of worshippers. In these days, God has taken away from us the crowd of worshippers. I mean, we could hold church meetings on Sundays, but we can't sing and we can't talk to each other between households and we can't lift our voices together in any way, shape or form. Those are big demotivators for doing it for me. God has taken away the crowd of worshippers. And that's sad. But in these days, I truly do believe he's teaching each of us what it is to push ourselves into adoring Jesus for ourselves. Anyone, and I truly mean anyone, I have seen unbelievers do it, can walk into our Sunday mornings in a packed Asheville and can get caught up in the love of Jesus that's going on around them, in the atmosphere. We're not pursuing hype. We're not generating hype, but it can have the same effect as hype. They can get caught up. They can stand arms high and sing at the top of their voices, and they can leave that place unchanged because what they've experienced is the crowd of worshippers and not the presence of God. But when you're standing in your living room or your bedroom or whatever room you're watching Sunday morning in, there is very little atmosphere to get caught up in. It's hard, isn't it? You feel a bit stupid. You want to close the curtain sometimes. But God is teaching us about adoring Jesus. We have to be people that can take ourselves through the strength of the Holy Spirit to the place of adoring Jesus because it's in his presence that everything changes. In his presence, our hearts are made soft because we realise there is no one like him. We preached hard into wonder this summer. I preached on it. Ben Hansen preached on it. Someone else did something on it. The power of wonder to keep our hearts soft and free of cynicism. As we stand in his presence, we realise that there is no one like him. And it makes us throw out all of the competition in our hearts that we might fix our love on him alone. It's as we adore Jesus that things change. Friends, I've written a lot more on my sheet of paper. I had nothing on my piece of paper at 3.30 on Wednesday. I knew I didn't have much time on Thursday to write much. And Friday is normally my day off. And I went downstairs because I could not concentrate and I got a cup of tea. And I came upstairs and I had 45 minutes before going on a Zoom call with Pete Marfley and John Payne, which was a wonderful thing to do. But I was like, God, I have 45 minutes. <laughs> I've been thinking about this and trying to find something all day and distracting myself with other things all day. And I just felt him say, come and worship. I took Spotify on, I put my speaker on, the volume went loud. Friends, I worshipped for 30 minutes of the 45 minutes I had. And at the end of those 30 minutes, I sat down and I opened the book where I write down stuff that I feel him speaking to me about when I read the Bible in the morning. And there was this from Luke chapter 8 from a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, tell him about the life in the seed and getting everything out of the way. 
because if you can get soft hearts that are free of competition, the seed will see to the rest. So I'm way over time. I'll save this preach for another time. And uh, we're going to worship together in a minute. I want to pray for us. just want to pray that the Lord would come by his spirit and work in our hearts. We're going to sing together because in the presence of Jesus, everything changes. Uh, and then we're going to finish our time together and go into our breakout rooms afterwards. Why don't you just close your eyes for a second. Just look to the Lord. Focus your gaze on him. I'm going to pray for the spirit to come and to just speak to each one of us. Maybe he wants to clear a rock out of your soil today. Maybe he wants to rip some thorns out of your soil today. Maybe he wants to blow your mind with how good Jesus is again this morning. Just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart right now. Keep turning your gaze back to him. You get distracted, don't we, when we do this, but just keep turning your gaze back to him. He is good and he is with us. Holy Spirit, come, I pray. Feel each one of us right now. Show us the state of our hearts. Soften our hearts. Help us to clear everything out, all the junk that would get in the way of the supernaturally abundant harvest that your word will bear in our lives. Lord Jesus, we want you to be first above everything else. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see you lifted high. Because we adore you. You've won our hearts to yourself. <laughs>